As we study about spiritual gifts, where the basis for that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We talk about the different types of gifts. There, there are the motivational gifts, there are the ministry gifts, and the manifestation gifts. Motivational gifts, we believe, is who we are. It's, it's what God places within us. We didn't choose to be that way. God placed within us this motivational gift, which I, I believe, based on the word that there's, each of us has one, that we function from. Now, we're going to learn how to have other characteristics and all as we grow in Christ. But there's one that God just gives us. We don't have to grow in. We don't have to learn about. It's just God just gives it to us, and we function from that motivation. Then we have ministry gifts. That's what we do with our motivation gift. And we may, all of us who have different motivational gifts may have the same ministry at some time. We'll approach those ministries in different ways. Ministry gifts, what we do. Manifestation gifts is then what God does as people exercise their gift. Whenever that gift's being exercised, what does God do in the heart of another person? And that's a special time whenever you are there and you're with somebody who's exercising their spiritual gift and and they're able to uh, say something, do something, minister some way, and you have that aha experience like at math class where you came to understand or see something for the first time, it ministers to you, helps you, blesses you. That's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit happening in your life, the manifestation gifts. Right now we're focusing on uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and following, where the seven, what I believe are the seven motivational gifts, are listed. And we're identifying those, and then we're trying to take each week and look at some characteristics of the people who have that gift. We're doing that so that you might be able to discover your gift. What is your gift? So that you know how to use that gift in the body of Christ, know what the challenges are, and just be able to uh, realize your purpose and plan in in the uh, family of God. So there in chapter 6 it says, uh, let each exercise them, talking about their gift, Exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, and here's where we are tonight, or he who exhorts in his exhortation. So the gift we're focusing on tonight is the spiritual gift of exhortation. Exhortation. Probably that word and, and that particular gift is probably more foreign to us or unusual to us than if we said, well, I have the gift of teaching. We understand what teaching is, our prophecy, preaching, service. We understand what service might be. But when you come to the term of exhortation, we don't always use that term. What does it mean by having the gift of exhortation? Well, the first thing to do is we've been talking about the aptitude. What is our aptitude? What are we apt to do? What, what is the one thing we're apt to do? A person who has the spiritual gift of exhortation has the aptitude to share. Now, that, I, when I say to share, that doesn't mean to share what they have. It, it means to share with others, to go and be involved in others' lives, to come alongside of them, to be with them in that process. They want to share their lives and what they have with other people. The definition is the word parakaleo. Parakaleo is, means literally to call to one's side, are to be an encourager. Now, whenever it said in John chapter 15, 16, when it was talking in those places regarding 14 as well, 
It was talking about that whenever he was going to leave, Jesus was going to leave, he was going to ask the Father, and he would send another helper uh, that he might be with us forever. You remember that? And, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he was talking about it, he identified the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. And that, and that is the form of parakaleo. That means the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside of us. Literally, he comes to live within us. But the Holy Spirit has been sent by Jesus to come alongside of you and me, to help us, to share with us, so that we might be successful in doing the things of the kingdom of God. We, we can't do that on our own. None of us can accomplish the things of God in our flesh but when the Holy Spirit of God fills us and indwells us and the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, we're able to do great and wonderful things that glorify God and fulfill God's purpose because the Holy Spirit is there as our paraclete. So when it says that the Holy Spirit comes along to encourage us and then we find out that one of the spiritual gifts is the gift of exhortation or to be an encourager, then you ever thought about that one way that the Holy Spirit comes to encourage us is through the lives of other people who are believers who are encouragers, who exhort us, who help us along the way. You get the picture there? I mean, how is the Holy Spirit going to help us? Well, one way he's going to help us is he's going to have somebody gifted to be an encourager for us. He's going to come along and help us. And these people who have the gift of exhortation, they're coming to share in life, to share in our lives, to help us in our lives, to be an encourager in our lives, to come alongside of us, that's what it means. Now, let's talk about the description of a person who has the gift of exhortation. And I usually give to you just the positive things and statements of things, and then I'll give you some problems or misunderstandings. The first one is an unusual ability to see problems that others cannot see. In other words, this person, when somebody comes along and and they might have a problem. Now, an interesting thing about, about these people is that you'll find that naturally, there's not anything planned, but naturally people will go to them for counsel. For something, you know, it, it's some ways like they got this uh, thing on their face that says open for business. <laughs> you, know, you know, just come right in. No appointment necessary. Exactly. And, and it's just like whenever these people come around, other people just have this need and desire, and they'll just begin to share, share really deep-felt things and, and issues and problems they wouldn't necessarily share with others. As a matter of fact, you'll find those people sometimes say, I don't know why I'm sharing this with you. I haven't shared this with anybody. I don't know why I would share this with you. Because these people are gifted in that, and God just opens up and gives a freedom. And when these people begin to share... A lot of times, whenever we got our problems, we don't, know, we don't really know why we have the problems we're having or what we're doing that's wrong. You know, we just don't know. That's why we need counsel. That's why we need somebody to come along and help us in regard to that. Well, the person who has the gift of exhortation has the ability to see what the problem is. Other people might not see it. They might not understand it. But these people can see and grasp, because it's a gift from God, what exactly is the problem. What is that person doing that's wrong? Or what are they failing to do? Or well, how should they approach something in a different way? They have the ability to see those things that other people wouldn't see. A lot of us, a lot of us would, when they come to share with us, and they tell us all this, what, what we may say is, well, bless your heart. 
Well, these people aren't going to say, bless your heart. They're going to say, well, if, if I were you, I'd do this, and, and I'd do that, and I'd do this. And I think if you do those things, I think it'd help you. I think you'd do those things. Because they see what the problem is. They see what needs to be changed. And they're able to lay that out and give that to them. Now, I want you to put a little asterisk by that. Because the interesting thing about that is sometimes they are, they're easy to see the problems of somebody else, but they can't solve their own problems. You ever met anybody like that? Don't tell me. Anybody. But, I mean, sometimes they can't see their own problems. They have struggle about what their own problem is, but they can help everybody else. They can minister to everybody else and see those things. That's the gift of exhortation. Look at number two. They're able to give concrete advice to those who are facing difficult times. I mean, they don't just say, well, I'll pray for you. You know, what do we, I'll pray for you. You know, just hang in there, you know. God's going to do it for you. They don't do that. They'll, they'll basically say, well, if I were you, I would do this one, two, three. This is what I do first. This is what I do second thing. This is what I do third thing. And I promise you, if you'll do that one, two, three, if you'll do those things that I'm sharing with you to do, uh, you'll be better. Things will be better if you'll, if you'll do this thing. I mean, they give concrete advice. They're not saying, just hope you get better. They're saying, do this thing. Do this thing. They're giving counsel. To that person. And, and, and one of the problems that we have sometimes is we think when we hear that from somebody that that's just their advice. Do you realize that if they're spirit-filled and God's gifted them with it by the Spirit to have that gift, that God is using that person's gift to actually tell you what God wants you to know about that given situation. And if you'll heed what they say and you'll do what they say, most of the time you're going to be better. Things are going to be better. Now, a lot of times we don't like their advice because we don't want to do those things. But heed what they say, and things will be better. It will not be a. It won't be off the wall somewhere. It won't be just some general thing. It's going to be specific things. This advice you need to do. Third thing, they have a real enjoyment in those who take their advice and make suggested changes. If you want to see an exhortation person get happy, I mean, they get happy when they've shared with somebody and that person goes and does what they've told them to do and as they've done it, things have happened and things have improved in that person's life. And that person's full of joy and that person's happier now and they're sad. And man, that, that, there's nothing that gives a person of exhortation more joy than when somebody listened to what they said, did what they said, and the result of that is they were better. That's the greatest joy. I see that's different from a, a prophet. The greatest joy a prophet has is whenever, whenever he gets to stand up and preach the word. Our teacher has their greatest joy when they're getting to get in the word and discover new things and, and know what God says deep in the word of God. Or a servant whenever they're out there serving people and, and accomplishing things and getting things done. This person is whenever somebody does what they say. Listen to what they say. Four. They experience grief when there's no personal application or of the advice. In other words, I'm happy when you will do it, and I am grieved when you don't do it. Now, exhortation people, if you are a person that has a gift of exhortation, you have little patience with somebody who does not do what you say. I mean, one of the things is they're going to come back and they still got the same problems, and you answer, well, did, did you do what I did you do what I, I I told you suggested for you to do? No, I haven't done that. Well, then don't come back to me. 
Don't come back to me until you do what I told you to start with. And, and they're grieved in their heart because that person did not heed what they said. As though this is what God's saying to you through me, and you're not going to listen to what God's saying to you. You're not going to accept that as what God's saying to you, and therefore you're not going to, to reap the benefit from that. So great joy when they do it, great grief when they don't heed it, okay? They have an ability to have insights from their own experience and then validate these insights with the Bible. All of us have experiences in life, don't we? You know, we have good experiences, bad experiences. All kind. I mean, we could all write books about our experiences. The difference in the person who has the gift of exhortation is whenever they go through an experience, they're going to learn from that, and they're going to be able to use their experience to help somebody else. Typically, when this person is talking to somebody else, all right, and they're giving counsel to them, they'll say, well, that reminds me of whenever I went through something or whenever I did something. In other words, they're going to be able to relate what happened to them and to let that be a teaching moment and a learning experience for somebody else. A lot of us, we just live experiences. We don't remember them. You know, we, we certainly haven't thought about that being a teaching experience or something going to help somebody else along the way. A person has a gift of exhortation. It's always going to be what I learned through that experience. And then what? And then they like to validate it with the Word of God. If they'll find some... Bible passage or some story in the Bible that relates to what their experience was along with what somebody else's experience is, they're going to bring that biblical illustration as a validation of what their experience was and what they're trying to tell the person to do. Versus the teacher, <laughs> see, that teacher kind of has a problem with it. Well, wait, wait a minute, what, what, what are you doing? Is that what that says? Is that, is that what that Bible said? You, you think, is that what the Bible really said when you said that? You're, you're taking that out of context. You're, you're doing these things. Teacher's not really excited about that, but the person has a gift of exhortation. It's like, I'm learning this, and God's teaching me this, and this is what I use to be a blessing to someone else. Look at, look at uh, number six. They're influenced by their need for visible acceptance. Visible acceptance. A person who has the gift of exhortation, they want to experience acceptance by others. In other words, that people really validate that what they say or believe what they say is important or believe what they say is coming from God's counsel. They need that. Much like a person has a gift of service, they, a person has a gift of service, they want appreciation. Uh, they, you know, if, I told you, a person has a gift of service, if you'll just say to them, boy, that's good, and that's one of the, it's like sick Bulldog just died, I guess. No, he came back. The bulldog's right here. Okay. But anyway, it's like sick them to a bulldog because they're going to go more and more and more and do hard. That person has a gift of exhortation when somebody accepts them and acknowledges that they're a good counselor or God gives direction by them. That gives them great, great joy. And seven is they delight in personal counseling. All right? They delight in personal... Their greatest joy is to be able to meet with another person either in a formal setting or an informal setting or over lunch or whatever and to be able to give personal counsel to an individual. Now let me show you the difference between a prophet and them. The prophet does not like personal counseling. The prophet likes to stand up and preach to everybody. The prophet likes to preach to the whole group. You know, we're going to straighten the whole group out. 
We're going to tell you all what, what we all need to do, and, and you're a bunch of sinners. We all need to get right. Yeah, prophet feels so comfortable with that. And then getting personal counseling, the prophet's like, well, you know, not the, not the, uh, the exhortation person. The person gets the exhortation, they don't really want to stand up and do a program. They, they don't really stand up and, and, and make some kind of talk. But what they do like to do is to get personal with other people and for them to share with them their needs and for them to be able to be used in that experience. And, boy, what an exciting thing that is for that person who has the gift of, of counseling through being the gift of exhortation. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Matter of fact, one of the, one of the neatest things about, about counseling as a person has a gift of exhortation, and I was talking to a person who has that gift the other day, and I, I know they have the gift. You can usually see the gift of somebody else before they can. You, know, you can just watch them and see what they're doing. And I was talking to them about their gift of exhortation, and I, I talked about the joy that they had in whenever they get a chance to counsel somebody. And many people go to that person for counsel, you know. And I asked that experience, I said, let me, let me ask you a question. I said, whenever you're counseling and whenever you're sharing with somebody about their need or whatever happened, and you begin to speak, you begin to share what, what God's laid on your heart, do you ever have that experience of sitting back going, wow, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's not from me. That's from some other source. That's, that's from God. I mean, you have that kind of experience. And as a matter of fact, you, you, that person wants to stop and say, hold on a second, let me write that down. Because God's doing something in their heart and their life. They're seeing God use them just as effectively as the teacher who stands to teach or the preacher who stands to preach that person has to get their exhortation. God's using them in that setting of personal counseling. All right? Look at the problems and misunderstandings. Their emphasis on steps of action may appear to oversimplify deep problems in life. In other words, sometimes there are, there are real problems, and, it, and the person has the gift of counseling. They can seem as though they can make it so very simple. It's just everybody's one, two, three. It's just one, two, three. And one, two, threes are, don't, aren't always the answer. You know, they're, they're helpful, but they're not always. Sometimes there may be deeper problems, some of the needs there, that, that maybe even physiological needs or something like that is happening. Who, you, about that, you have to be careful that you don't always feel as though you always have the answer and it's always so simple. It's not in relationship to that. Two, their ministry to the body of Christ may seem to de-emphasize evangelism. Well, that's because their ministry is not primarily evangelism. Their, their ministry is this. They basically say, you win them and we will help them. You, know, you win them to Jesus and, and then we will come along in the body of Christ and we will help them be the Christian that God wants them to be. Now, that doesn't mean that all of us are supposed to evangelize, aren't we? All of us are supposed to share our faith. All of us are supposed to be witnesses. But their giftedness is not primarily to the lost person as much as it is helping that saved family to be what they ought to be. And some people will be critical about the fact that they seem to de-emphasize evangelism. Three, their approach to and use of Scripture for practical application may appear to take it out of context. Who's that going to bother? The teacher. Primarily the teacher. 
Because that teacher is wanting to st- wants to know the context and what does that mean and how does that apply and everything else. They're not, they're not interested in, in that as much. They're interested in the practical application to this person in this setting at that point. And so you see where there can be a conflict. Four, sometimes their emphasis on steps of action may appear to be insensitive to the feelings of those being counseled. Now, who is that going to run, who, who is that in giftedness going to run against? It's going to run against the person who has the gift of mercy. Because here's this person who has a problem, and you know what the exhortation person is going to do? They're, they're not going to cry with them. They're not going to cry with them. They're, they're going to basically say, I can tell you how to get out of this. I can tell you how you can do this to get out of this. But the mercy person, whenever they're starting to just say, one, two, three, this is what you need to get out of it. The mercy person's over here, and they're saying, you don't hurt for this person. Don't you know that they're, they're crying, and they're weeping, and they're hurting, and they have all these pains, and, and all you do is tell them, one, two, three. And you just need to go hug them. You need to go love on them. You know, that's what you need to do. See where a mercy person, exhortation person can be at odds with each other whenever they're approaching things? And the exhortation person is like, man, you don't need to hug on them. You just need to tell them what to do. If they'll do this, they won't be crying anymore. To do this, they will, they'll be out of that mully grub they're in right now. They'll just do it. You crying with them is not going to help anything. You see that? See, you understand? Hey, I'm not making that up. That is exactly the body of Christ. And people, how they approach things differently. Because some people are going to feel like they're insensitive. They're not insensitive. They're just trying to tell them how to get out of the hole. Man, they're really hard trying to tell them how to get out of there. Of course, we prophets, you know, we can understand why exhortation people would say that. The mercy people over here crying about it. It's not helping a thing, you know, really. <laughs> we love you, mercy people. We're glad you're there. Cry at our funerals. <laughs> Don't say that. I know what you're thinking. I'd like to cry sooner than later. I, th- I heard that. I heard that. All right. Let's have five. They sometimes misinterpret a person's interest or lack of interest by relying upon visible acceptance. Now, what does that mean? Well, if an exhortation person is really keyed to whether a person accepts them or doesn't, and that's important to them, whether they have visible acceptance, they're sometimes going to misunderstand that, and, and it's going to be misrepresented to them. Because there's some people who just, by, by nature, they will act like they're not interested. They will come over as not interested at all. When they may be the person who is going to hear and heed what that exhortation person says more than anybody else. Whereas, you can meet some people who are going to be cued in, and they're going to be listening to every word, and they're like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get out here and go do what you're saying. I want to do that. Man, that exhortation person is just so excited about them. They're going to get out there and go do that thing. But whenever they come back, and when you see them, and when you meet them, the one over here who is so cued up and going to go, they say, I don't have time to do it. Whereas the other person who seemed so uninterested did everything they said. See how the person with the exhortation, if they're dependent on what it looks like on the outside, they can misrepresent a person's sincerity or whether they're going to be willing to listen? You can't let that happen. It's according to what they do, not how it's represented. Now, a good way to do that is just teach 5th and 6th graders. Y'all come teach 5th and 6th graders. 
with me sometimes, or with us sometimes. But the fifth and sixth graders sometimes can act very uninterested in what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're thinking. Yeah, we got other things on our mind. But when it comes to regurgitating everything you said and everything you did about that, boy, they can just lay that out there. Why? Because they're paying more attention than what you think. And you're paying attention, and they know it because they're saying it and doing it. Be careful if you have the gift of exhortation not to misrepresent what somebody appears to be doing. Ultimate benefit to the body of Christ. Those gifted in exhortation serve as wise counselors to the body of Christ. You are, you are very, very wise if you will find one or two people in your church who have the gift of exhortation. And whenever you are in need of counsel, and all of us at times we are, we just need a word. We need somebody to hear what we're saying, hear what we're thinking, and be able to give us their point of view. Uh, and also some ways out, possibly. You'll be smart to find them and let them be wise counsel, because that's what God gave them to the body of Christ. They're able to minister to individuals who are facing difficult circumstances and those who need to make important decisions. Two times you need to look for them when you're facing difficult circumstances, can that ever happen in your life? Yeah. But also, when you're making important decisions. When you're making important decisions, get wise counsel. They have a calling to keep the body of Christ spiritually and emotionally healthy in order for the work of the church to be accomplished by the members. They're there to help us all stay healthy spiritually in tune, healthy, meeting needs so that we can fulfill our purposes in the body of Christ. I give you a biblical example, and that biblical example is who? Barnabas. Well, what was Barnabas called? He was called the son of encouragement. The son of encouragement. Whenever the apostle Paul is being looked at strangely because he's the persecutor of the church who's now trying to share the gospel of Jesus with other people, when people are standing arm's length away from him, who is it that comes alongside of him and helps him to be accepted in the body of Christ, counsels him along the way? Barnabas. It's Barnabas. Who, who is it that takes old Paul and brings him along to be the leader of the church, eventually becomes the leader of the missionary effort? Barnabas. But... Remember this, uh, and we'll be covering this whenever we get back into Acts and, and Paul. Whenever they go on their second missionary journey, remember John Mark, he had left them. Remember, he left Barnabas and Paul. He went back home. When they go on their second missionary journey, Barnabas wants to bring John Mark, and Paul says no. I mean, they're they are in a disagreement. He's not going. So what does Barnabas do? He just says to Paul, Paul, you take Silas and you go with, he'll go with you. And I'm going to take John Mark and John Mark will go with me. What is Barnabas doing? He's encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. That's his ministry. Giving counsel, wise counsel to all those he cared for. It's a good biblical example. I hope some of you have that gift of exhortation. If you do, you probably know it. You can probably know it. And it's a pretty obvious one. And uh, you know that you enjoy giving personal counsel. Father, thank you.
For truth, thank you for the opportunity to see for a moment what, what we look like as we have various gifts. Help us to find our gift, to use our gift in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.